Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, feel free to like it and share it with others. If you'll go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast. You can now get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others as well. Feel free to contact us there on the website with questions and comments that you may have pertaining to the program today. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 6, dealing with verses 5 through 11 today. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. sixth chapter of the book of Revelation tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can be turning there. We're dealing with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We started last week, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. John said, I saw when the Lamb had opened one of the seals and heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw and beheld a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Don't let that white horse deceive you into believing that that's Jesus Christ. That is the Antichrist. He is pictured here with a bow in his hand, but notice that he has no arrows. When the Antichrist comes on the scene... Keep in mind that this will be after the rapture of the church. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, he will solve the problems there in the Middle East that has been a powder keg for years. And he's going to confirm the covenant with many for one week, according to Daniel Notice that terminology there, he's going to confirm a covenant. In other words, a peace treaty has already been established. He's only going to confirm it or reinstate it, whatever the case. He's going to come promoting peace while all the time he's promoting war. A lot of the world's going to side with him because he's solved these problems uh, many believe that he will, in some way, help Israel rebuild their temple. The problem now is that if Israel rebuilds their temple, they're going to have to build it somewhere else because the Muslim Dome of the Rock is sitting where Israel is supposed to build their temple at. Um, I'm trying to think. Solomon's Temple and... Uh, uh, Zerubbabel's temple was at the same place. Herod's temple was there. And uh, that's where they're going to rebuild their temple at. But the Muslims have their Dome of the Rock sitting there now. Something's going to happen. We don't know what. Could it be an earthquake? Could a missile hit that building and destroy it? Something's going to happen to where Israel can rebuild their temple. And the Antichrist... It is thought that he will play a big part in that. Israel's going to think that he is the Messiah. 
And a lot of the Muslims are going to be somewhat upset with him. And there's going to be all-out war. So while he's promoting peace, there are others preparing for war. But he's also preparing for war, too, because his intentions are to take over the entirety of the world. He's going forth conquering and to conquer. Uh, Verse 3, John said that he saw uh, that when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And like I said, a lot of the Muslim countries are not going to be too happy with the Antichrist. And there's going to be all-out war. One of the first countries that will be conquered will be Egypt, other parts of Europe, Africa. And any countries that are against the Antichrist that are within the old Roman Empire territory that is known as the seat of the beast, that is going to be his kingdom So if you'll look in some of the old maps, that'll show you the territory of the old Roman Empire. That will be his kingdom. It's going to be that particular area there. Like I said, he's going to sign a seven-year covenant with Israel. But at the midpoint of the tribulation period, he's going to break that covenant. He will cause the sacrifices in the temple to cease. And at that point in time, he will take over the temple and set up the temple and use it as his headquarters for the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. And it's going to be a terrible time of war. The Antichrist will start the seven-year tribulation period. Shortly after he comes on the scene, war will break out, and war will continue throughout the remainder of the tribulation period. It will end with the greatest battle of all, the Battle of Armageddon, where Jesus comes back and solves all of that. He comes back riding a white horse. Tonight, we want to pick it up in verse 5, Revelation 6 and verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal... I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine." When this war breaks out, I have no idea how many men will be drafted into the war, how many of these men will be farmers. When you take all the farmers that are producing the food, obviously you're going to have a food shortage. With all this war that's going on, there's no telling how many 
roads are going to be destroyed. So there's going to be some areas where even if the United States was in a position to help the poor people over there, the roads will probably be so badly damaged that there's no way to get food to these people. So there's going to be a black horse. That black horse represents famine. It's going to be um, kind of a rough time. Notice the phrase there, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. That presents a uh, scarcity of food. More than likely, at this time, food will be rationed out. And according to one Bible commentator there, the uh, three measures of barley for a penny and a measure of wheat for a penny, that's about eight times the normal price of food. So there's going to be an increase in what people will pay for food at this particular time. All right, verse 7, Revelation 6, verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse in his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Now, like I said earlier, the Antichrist territory will be within the old Roman Empire territory. This war war that will break out will not be worldwide. It will only be contained to this part of the world, the seat of the beast, as it says here, a fourth part of the earth. Now, just because the United States is not mentioned, that does not mean that we will not be involved some way if we're here. Um, If we're here, we may be affected indirectly with the global economy that we have. Um, There's no telling what will be going on at that time. But at any rate, as I stated last week, When this war starts, it will continue throughout the tribulation period. And like I said, it will end at the Battle of Armageddon. When it starts, it may start the second year of the tribulation period. We really don't know for sure. But when it starts, three billion people will die. Three billion people will die, and this is how they will die, is listed there in verse 8. The phrase, kill with the sword, that has to do with all of those that are actually engaged in warfare. The next phrase that is said there is, with hunger. That refers to innocent victims, the women, the children, the elderly, etc., etc. They they will just literally starve to death at this time. Another phrase there, it says, and with death. They'll die with 
death or they will die because of death. So many people will die at this time. They can't bury them fast enough. And the dead bodies will be laying out unburied that disease and whatever the case will come about as a result of this and people will be dying because of that. And the beast of the field, that's another phrase that you'll see there in verse 8. When this war breaks out, the animals' natural habitats will be destroyed. And the animals will begin to move into more populated areas looking for food. And animals like bears and tigers and that sort of thing, when it sees little children, or anybody for that matter, that looks like food to them. So it's going to be a terrible time. But here's the most horrible thing about it. On this horse is also riding, it also says, hell followed with him. Hell followed with him. Most of these three billion people that will die, sadly and regrettably, will go to hell. They are not saved people. And that's a sobering thought. I looked up the other night, the world population right now is seven and a quarter billion people. Seven and a quarter billion people. Two and a quarter billion claim some form of Christianity. Most of those are Catholics. Only 578 million are Protestants. That leaves about 5 billion non-Christians in the world right now. Now, I want you to think about this. Every minute, 60 seconds, 180 people will step into eternity. Every hour, 10,800 people will go to meet their maker. By the end of this service tonight, 10,800 people will die. And most of those people will die lost. What are we as a church doing about it? It's a sobering thought. All right. Take a look at verse 9. Revelation 6, verse 9. When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, if all of these... Or Christian people. I thought the Christians were raptured out before all of this. Where did all these Christian people come from? 
Have you ever thought about it? See, there are some that believe and teach that when the rapture takes place, not only will we be raptured out, but the Holy Spirit will be raptured out as well. And that nobody will be able to get saved during the tribulation period. That's not true. The whole purpose of the tribulation period is to bring Israel back to God. Let me show you something. If you will, turn to Acts chapter 2. Hold your place there in Revelation chapter 6 because we're going to come back to it in a minute. Acts chapter 2, move down if you will to verse 17. Acts 2, 17. It shall come to pass in the last days. The last days started on the day of Pentecost. It continues right up to this hour and will continue right on up until the second coming of Christ. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood fire, vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Stop right there for just a minute. These are events, this last verse I just read to you. These are events and things that will be taking place during the Great Tribulation period. Matter of fact, In Revelation 6 and verse 12, you can just keep your place there in Acts, because we're going to come back to it. We're not finished there yet. But Revelation 6 verse 12, John said, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. So you see the connection there between the sixth seal that's opened up. What did God say? During this particular time, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. All right, Acts 2 verse 20, the latter part of that phrase there, Acts 2 and 20. The latter phrase there says, Before the great and notable day of the Lord come. That is not the rapture of the church. That is the second coming of Christ. Don't get confused on the rapture of the church and the second coming. At the rapture of the church, the Lord will come within the air of the earth. He will not exactly set his feet on the earth at that time. But at the second coming, he will set his feet 
on the Mount of Olivet, and he will set up his kingdom at that time. There are at least seven years between the rapture of the church and the second coming. And when it says here, the great and notable day of the Lord come, that's referring to the second coming. What did God say? If you look at Acts 2, 21, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. It's not just limited to Israel, but whoever in this world calls on the name of the Lord. You say, well, Brother James, how in the world can people get saved during this time if all the preachers are raptured out? Who's going to preach to the people? How are they going to hear? How are they going to get saved? Well, don't forget this modern age we're living in. I don't know how many tape CDs has gone out the back door of this church. I don't know how many people out there have them. How many other preachers are doing the same thing? This age that we're living in, there are plenty of sermons that you can pull up on the internet and listen to and hear the gospel. So although the individual preacher is gone, the message is still here. The Bibles are still here. God's Spirit is still here. And God can still move and work during that time and people will be getting saved. I believe that when the rapture takes place, a lot of backsliders are going to come back to God. Now, there's all kinds of thoughts on that. Some people say that God's going to turn them over to a reprobate mind, this sort of thing. I don't know. I think that's on an individual basis. But I think there are some people that are in a backslidden condition. When the rapture takes place, they know enough about the work of God that they're going to know what has happened. This church will be packed out the day after the rapture. There won't be an empty pew left in here. That day's coming. But I believe an awful lot of people are going to get saved right after the rapture. They're going to give their hearts to the Lord. Now, it's going to be extremely hard to live for God during this particular time. That's why the Bible says, if you'll look at Revelation 12, verse 9 again, these individuals that were under the altar, the Bible says that they were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. During the tribulation period, those that are saved and hold on to the Lord, some will give their lives. There is coming a time when the Antichrist will give his mark. The number 666, either in the right hand or the forehead, if you don't take the mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. We know that this will be instituted within 
the kingdom of the Antichrist. Will the United States fall under that? I don't know. But whatever countries in the world side with him will probably incorporate that and use it in that global economy at that particular time. You either take the mark or you don't get your medical supplies. You either take the mark or you don't eat. And when you take the mark, you reject Jesus Christ. So like I said, it's going to be extremely hard to live for God during that period of time. But it can be done and it will be done because we see these individuals here under this altar. And they're there for the word of God and the testimony which they held. And this corresponds with Revelation 12, verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. All right, let's take a look at what these individuals are saying. Revelation 6, verse 10. Revelation 6 and 10. They cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? This is more than just a prayer for judgment and vengeance. This actually ties right in with the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said in Mark 9:42, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. The apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay saith the lord god is going to judge and avenge that's what these people under the altar are asking the lord about verse 11 white robes were given unto every one of them and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now I want you to notice something here. When these people died, they are seen under this altar up in heaven. That knocks in the head the doctrine of soul sleep. There are some preachers that preach and teach that when you die, you go into a, a soul sleep type state. And when the rapture takes place, that's when you wake up and you're in heaven or whatever the case. To be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. When these people give their lives for Christ, 
during the tribulation period. I don't know how they will die. Maybe they will starve to death. Maybe they're just caught up in the war. Maybe they were torn apart by a wild animal. We don't know. Maybe they refused to take the mark. And they were killed as a result of that. The moment they died, they are seen up in heaven. And they are with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now I also want you to know here in this verse... It says, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. God knows who, where, when, and how many of his people are going to be caught up in this. He knows. And he doesn't put a stop to it right away. But he waits. God's got his reasons for doing what he does. We may not understand it as these individuals here, although they're in heaven. They're asking this question, how long before you judge and avenge our blood on them on the earth? That also brings up another thought, too. Maybe some of you have wondered. I wonder if my loved one in heaven knows what's going on back here on earth. I think this verse right here plainly tells us they do see and know what's going on to a certain extent. How much they know, I don't know, but they know this. They know that God's not taking care of the problem yet. Just thought I would throw that in. But God knows how many. And when that last one enters in the gate, verse 17 says, The great day of his wrath will come, and who shall be able to stand? There's coming a point in time during the tribulation period that God's going to pull off the gloves. And whoever's left back here on this earth are going to experience the wrath of God. And neighbor, you don't want to be here. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.